0: If a proof is not there, I don't see how we can cancel somebody. I don't don't get it. I don't think it's healthy for society or for him.
1: But then we see the other side of cancel culture where it's canceling people because you just don't agree with them.
0: We're definitely running into the risk that we could get it wrong.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Social Discord. Episode 32, Problem with Problematic, part two public shaming, and popular culture. I'm Dalen Turk.
0: And I'm Curtis Medina.
1: And if you've listened before, if you listened to the last episode, you will know that uh, our other co-host, Kara uh, is still on hiatus right now, so she's not joining us today. Um, but we're both very excited to uh, take on this second part of this series, uh, talking about cancel culture and the likes of uh, that social phenomenon that we're facing today. Um, but Curtis, going off of last episode, how are you feeling going into part two?
0: I'm scared. <laughs> I am too. <do. laughs> we it's, haven't been canceled. Ha- yet. I mean, it's hard to talk about. Um, it's hard to talk about controversial things that kind of straddle the line between liberalism and conservatism. It's hard to be a moderate in America mm-hmm. today, right?
1: Oh, it's, it's especially, like, in a public setting like we're doing where this is just going out to the world. Anyone can listen. It's, it's a tough thing to do.
0: Right. I mean, even by selecting this as a topic, you know, you're kind of um, saying this is important. We should look at this. This could be a problem. Like, literally, we're saying the problem with problematic, you know. So, like, you know, a lot of people, they think it's totally cool how everything's going. And... I don't, you know, I, I'm I'm a little worried about about how millennials and Gen Z are, are taking progressivism um in a direction that isn't just progressive, could actually be dangerous to our public image of ourselves, of um of our I don't know, and not just the image, but like our ability to grow beyond ourselves and um and not just stick to those like hard party lines of well, thought. We
1: we said it in the last episode like we're not saying it's not okay to question things. We're not saying it's not right. okay to point out when someone's doing something bad or questionable. So we're we're it's like we have to follow this fine line of and I think we're both like on a similar wavelength of like cancel culture and that's just, for lack of another term, that's just what it is, cancel culture. It can step way over the line. I think we can both recognize that and we're trying to look at where does that line fall perfectly in the middle to where it's not taking away from society, but it's also holding society, I guess, accountable in a sense.
0: Right. I mean, and it, I'm also... Not a believer in the ends justify the means. Yeah. Um, you know, just because um, you know a, a police policeman might find um, somebody doing drugs doesn't mean that I think that they should be able to kick down every door at two a.m. without a warrant. You know, just in case or whatever. You know, like I do not think that the ends of that justify that that response. It's it's too much. It's 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 a it's a burden on society. You know, so if I'm going to criticize say, police, for doing that, which is definitely a more leftist view. You know, I have to sort of pull it back to the moderate and say, you know, you're, you're kind of doing that with this as well. You know, if if uh, if this idea of shaming someone in public um, becomes this, like, sport, almost, of, like, you know, who can we get next? And and it it's not always about exactly what they did. They always try to pull it back to that. Mm-hmm. But it's usually more about the actual entertainment spectacle of taking someone powerful down than actually progressing society and so it's just it's disingenuous um to the goal it says it's it wants to take
1: one well, it's, it's interesting because we look at the like you say the the idea of this public shaming and this idea of taking down people and it's it seems like it's this kind of newfound world thing where it's you know just on social media, you can blast people, but you go into a here where I don't think people realize public shaming has been kind of part of society for a long time,
0: yeah. I mean, thousands of years. It, I, there's probably as as far back as history goes, you know, you'll probably find some kind of thing there. you could talk about, you know, crucifixion of of people of Christ. Uh, you know, um, you could you know, talk about where, you know, people are made to wear dunce hats in school, um, you know, if they got the the answer wrong or, you know, something like that. Um, you, you know, the, there's the Scarlet Letter and that whole story and the whole idea of, like, of, you know, shaming women who were accused of adultery, usually a lot worse than they would shame the men at that time. You know, I mean, and so, you know, to a lot of people, the idea of shaming them is worse than death, you know, and, and uh, it, it can be a... a it can be an overly cruel punishment, especially when delivered um, in a way that doesn't follow any kind of rule of law or any kind of system to make sure it doesn't go too far. And so, you know, with this, with with the Twitterverse and everything, like daily deciding what is right and what is wrong, um, just by people just randomly, you know, decide, you know, tweeting their opinion. Um, after a few seconds of thought, we're definitely running into the the risk that we could get it wrong, and we could we could over, uh, you know, do consequences that are over the top for the for things. Uh, we could react too quickly, and maybe we're wrong about what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, we could I take think- a side without actually knowing. And these are real things. Like even though a lot of conservatives kind of push this in sort of a like a hyper hysteria way to get people to vote for them. Yeah. There is some truth, I think in, in how dangerous this could be. Um, I don't, you know, it's like, I, I hate, I honestly hate siding with conservatives. (laughs) Like I always feel a little (laughs) dirty for, for doing it, but like, but you know, if I'm going to be a moderate, like sometimes they're right, you know, and, and even, even if it's accidentally, um, I think sometimes (laughs) they're right. Um, you know, and so, um, and, like I said in the last episode, you know, you have to defend people that you disagree with. Sometimes give them benefit of the doubt or their fair fair day in in court or whatever, um, because even if you don't like them, their rights mean your rights, and and you need to protect people you don't like. Um, so, like one of the quotes I thought was interesting, um, I wanted to share um, before we move on a little bit more um, was was this idea of of why is this happening now? Obviously, technology really, you know, has pushed it forward and made it easier to share your thoughts um, much easier, you know, and quicker than you ever could. Um, But also this article um, from, uh, I believe this was from the USA Today article um, said, quote, the United States is experiencing growth pains of a new emergent social order where American white populations are in decline and each major minority group is experiencing population increases, leading to, quote, Joe Rogan whites of America demanding to be seen. Now, first of all, I don't like that term. I hope – I said it just because it's in the article, mm-hmm. but I feel that like that's a bit of a liberal dog whistle of – um, Joe Rogan you know, whites – yeah, I don't know what that means. Um, you know, I mean he's bald, so I don't know, are they are they kind of saying like well, like it, super macho no, like, I mean, skinhead type like or like what I don't know what they're really going for when they say Joe Rogan Whites.
1: I it's so weird because I feel like Joe Rogan Whites is trying to refer to this very specific demographic of white men. I mean to be completely honest, of of just i feel like it's trying to refer to this demographic of white men that have never had to face any form of accountability because i I think that's kind of what they're pointing as joe rogan is you know he can basically do whatever he wants with his podcast and all this stuff and we'll talk about it later in the show and spotify is just like keep going joe and so I think that's what they're trying to point to, this demographic of white men, especially in America, where it's this group, this idea of these people that they don't – like they just don't have to be held accountable for what they think or what they say or what they share. I think that's what it's going at.
0: Well, and I, th- I think that something happens when – like um, inadvertently when we're discussing raising up – awareness of minorities, um, whether that be, you know, um, LGBTQ minorities or, or racial minorities or whatever. I think that something that inadvertently happens when you're raising issues of, of those minorities is that you, you, you accidentally make it seem like being in the majority is no longer special for their own reason.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, in other words, like, you know, you have, Let's say you say, you know, how cool is it to, to you know, have pride in being gay or whatever. But it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with being straight. You know, yeah. that doesn't mean that, like, you're saying that there's anything, you know, that that they're any less of a person or less, you know, need to be celebrated or whatever. Like, if you had true equality, you would celebrate everyone equally. And, and you know, while you do need to lift up those people who are in, in different minorities, you know, up to, to get to that level of equality, like – it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to tear anyone else down to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, this whole idea of if there is such a thing as these ideas of Joe Rogan whites, where they're feeling they're demanding to be seen. Um, and I, I do want to point know, out, I think, too, think that's understandable. Like, like I you don't, you know, that, that they maybe miss, they miss people paying any attention to them because they're so worried about other minorities.
1: Yeah. I mean, like two things, one, like it's, I, I would group it similarly to the people like kind of what you're saying It's it's the people who say, you know, I'm I'm not going to apologize for being white. And it's like no one's no one's asking you to apologize for being white. No one cares that you're white. You're the only one who cares that you're white. But then, too, another issue I have with this Joe Rogan whites uh, of America thing is that like it it it, it pins Joe Rogan. Into this demographic that he doesn't necessarily belong to, you know, like right. if if you really like, and granted, like I don't listen to his podcast one because all of his episodes are like a thousand hours long, and I'm just not <laughs> listen to that. Like I listen. And you don't to, have time after listening to Social Discord. Exactly. Like I listened to <laughs> one episode for this show, and it was like four and a half hours long, and I'm like, bro. You're canceled just for that. Like, shorten your episodes, please. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, Joe Rogan, like, he he loves Bernie Sanders. He loves uh, Michelle Obama. Like, he wants Michelle Obama to run for president. Like And so I, I think grouping Joe Rogan into this demographic that could be seen as these, you know, conservative, whitewashed men just isn't fair to Joe Rogan. But – yeah, I agree. That's kind of, I guess, I don't know. It's a, it's happened.
0: I mean, it's it's simpler to to, to, to say that or to think that than to actually um, listen to the show and form your own opinion. You know, I mean, it's like, I, like that happens all the time with with the uh, with journalists who write stories that aren't really all that in depth, or the people who read stories and they read the headline and they make a decision based on just that. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, every, every interview I've ever heard of Joe Rogan's, um, I don't listen to his show regularly, but I have heard a few. He seems perfectly nice. He does not yeah. seem to be some kind of, you know, foaming at the mouth spewing, you know, racist or something like that. I don't believe that that based on what I've seen He's is just a dude who case. likes
1: to get high, eat some elk meat and listen to people talk about random stuff (laughs) no matter who it is that's joe rogan um (laughs) anyways
0: (laughs) okay we're going we're going to keep to the notes we're keeping to the notes yes okay
1: um (laughs) i feel like what's because like i said if if you listen to the last episode we're going to talk more specifically today about some specific instances with people um and so once we get past this part, we'll get off the <laughs> rails a little to bit the, more than the now. <laughs> okay,
0: wait. I do want to go about the history of public shaming. Okay.
1: this is really interesting. Let's, let's talk I, I'm about sorry, some, I'm super some nerdy. public shaming Bear history. Bear with me.
0: <laughs> no shame in, in, in enjoying the history of public shaming. There we go. Um,
1: <laughs> That'd be a good book title okay. if you wrote a book about public shaming. <laughs> no shame in enjoying the history of public shaming.
0: <laughs> okay, so the quote the quote here is um this is talking about basically um when public shaming started to to fall out of fashion and people started realizing that it actually could be not just entertaining but actually really bad for society and for the person's, you know, psychiatric health and things like that um so quote the movement against public shaming gained momentum in 1787 when benjamin Rush, a a physician in philadelphia and a singer yeah back
1: in 1787 the declaration of independence (laughs) was a musical
0: (laughs) it was only sung yeah yeah (laughs) um Okay, (laughs) Benjamin Rush, uh, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, uh, he wrote a paper calling for the demise of um, public shaming, Um, the stocks, the pillory, the whipping post, the Um, lot—ignominy of—is that I say that right?
1: Ignominy, I think, Um,
0: which means public shame or or disgrace.
1: Ah is
0: universally acknowledged to be a worse punishment than death, he wrote. It would seem strange um, that ignominy should ever have been adopted as a milder punishment than death. Did we not know that the human mind seldom arrives at truth upon any subject till it has first reached the extremity of error? Um, And so – So uh, pillory and whippings were abolished um, at the federal level in 1839, although Delaware actually kept uh, the pillory until uh, 1905 and whippings until 1972. I know you're going to ask. Hold on. Let me get get the definition. (laughs) I
1: don't know. I have no idea what pillory is.
0: Oh, it's a wooden framework with holes for the head and hands. That's what we were talking about before. So,
1: yeah, that's the classic. Okay. Yeah, you're you're in yeah, a pillory true. in the center of town and the children throw lettuce and tomatoes at you.
0: Right. Okay, that that's a that's the classic one. Um, <laughs> um so that was abolished in eighteen thirty nine, although Delaware kept it until nineteen oh five, and whippings until nineteen seventy two. Oh <laughs> so
1: my god. Not that. God. Long ago. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs>
0: I mean, literally, like, if you're, like, the last person, like, to have gotten that or whatever in, like, 1971 or something, like, you just have to be, like, thinking, still? Really? Like, <laughs> We're still could you doing this? imagine
1: if, like, it, like, imagine uh, if Delaware was in the South in the 60s and they could oh still whip people. Like, oh the ima- even just being able to do that is, the imagery of it is awful.
0: It is. and And it's... And it's meant to be more embarrassing than harmful, right? I mean that's what he's saying. Like it's crazy that people thought this was a milder punishment yeah. um it's than horrific. you know, putting them in jail or something. But you know, but this ruined your life. This this um this there was shame in this. Um a nineteen an eighteen sixty seven editorial in the Times, the Times exonerated the state for its obstinacy. So they said the boy of 18 who was whipped in at Newcastle for larceny is in nine cases out of 10 ruined with his self-respect destroyed and the taunt and sneer of public disgrace branded upon his forehead. Um, and so uh, he says, I found no evidence that punitive shaming fell out of fashion as a result of newfound anonymity but i did find plenty of people from centuries past bemoaning the outsized cruelty of the practice warning that well-meaning people in a crowd often take punishment too far and you know and how is that unlike what we talked about in the police episode where like given just a little bit of power and like separation from the person that they're that you know that they're condemning they suddenly take that too far and and become terrible executioner style people.
1: Well, I mean, you you think about it, like how easy is it to get caught up in something? How easy is it to get caught up in a group that even if you're doubting it yourself, but you're in the heat of it, all of a sudden you find yourself just going along with it.
0: Right. I mean, that's the idea of being in a mob, right? And so, like, I know that word gets thrown around back and forth um, of, you know, of, of liberal mobs or conservative mobs or whatever. But that is the idea that at some point you're not one smart, a bunch of smart people. You're one sort of like mob with this hive mentality that it often means that you do stupid things. Um, and so. So, if they were to avoid public shaming, uh, the next thing that could be done to avoid these these um, you know these things that they thought were were unfit for society uh, was to censor. Um, so, censorship has kind of been the prevailing theme um, for the last hundred or so years. Um, it's definitely been pulled back in some ways over the years, but it's also I feel like rearing its ugly head again in, in other ways mm. um, in this generation. So uh, one website opinion, uh, uh, one website had the opinion, which I'm, the only, I'm only sharing this website because I thought the way they put it was really well. Um, is there weren't any kind of authority or anything like that, but I thought I thought it was really interesting. Basically, he was comparing um, book bans of that conservatives have done when they have banned books and what liberals have done when they have banned books. And they tried to figure out like what, what they had in common and how they were different. And so according to this website, he said, quote, um, conservatives really like to ban entire topics rather than certain books. You take a shotgun approach, striking down anything that discusses race, even if it's as simple as it's not super fun to be the only black kid in school. Uh, anything with a gay character, even if they don't engage in any sort of sexual activity, you don't know when to say, none for me, thanks, but you go ahead. (laughs) You're not imaginative enough to consider that, that while your kid might not be ready for a book, that that might be because you've stunted your kid. You won't even explore other ways and you're passing that lack of intellectual curiosity onto your kid. So that's why he says conservatives ban books. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say that, the, that liberals are there just as bad in their own way and that liberal bans books you're, um, because uh, your bans also seem to, to have more connection to writer behavior than the contents of particular books. Uh, Sherman uh, Alexi yeah. Uh, and Juno Diaz are writers whose books were long touted and have since been removed from circulation uh, in a lot of places. Books um, by Woody Allen were banned almost entirely by people who had not read them and were uh, basing the bans on the behavior of the writers leading up to that point. It's not about the books for liberals; it's about the author's behavior in the world outside the books. You found a way to punish the writer, and it feels so good that it justifies punishing curious readers and removing their chance to judge for themselves. These folks are just the just the eggs you've got to break to make your utopic omelet, right? The most distasteful facet of your bans is that while conservatives are always crying about the children, you target books aimed at adults, which means you're treating adults like children. It means your bans come with this moral and intellectual superiority. You figured out this book was bad or inaccurate or that the author was a bad person. And in your infinite wisdom, you're rescuing me from needing to make the same discovery. You act like I'm supposed to be thankful my hero my savior that's into the quote mm-hmm. like wow right i mean what do you think about that
1: <laughs> it's i mean it's it's accurate you know you think what? of why did conservatives ban books oh well you know we're going to ban all these books because they talk about you know gay sex and it's like hasn't it's just like there's a character that's gay or something or it's oh like we're canceling rock and roll because it's the devil's music, but you know no it's not dancing like
0: dancing in town anymore. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like it's not like oh, we're banning this one song. It's no, but and then you look at concerts, it's the same. We see that with books, with uh, liberals, we see it with movies, we see it with everything. Where they, they cannot. There's this failure to separate the art from the artist, which is something I just don't understand because I'm perfectly okay with being like, yeah. That writer, not a good dude. Love the book though.
0: Well, I mean, I can even look at something for its historical relevance. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have to like it or agree with it. It can make me cringe, um, but I'm okay with it. I mean, as far so let's. I have to ask this: as far as um, do you think that the same thing applies with taking down statues of of con, you know, say Confederate uh, you know generals or? Or even of uh, you know people who are generally considered American heroes, um, and you know taking their name off of a school or something like that. Like even um, Abraham Lincoln was was supposed to be taken down from a school because uh, of his complicated history, you know, with with slaves. Mm,
1: well, so w- one, I I do have to correct you there. Um, Abraham Lincoln, he was the reason his name was taken down was because his, um, at least from my understanding, was because his. Um, Uh, his questionable stance and behavior towards uh, native Americans during his presidency. Oh, because it wasn't necessarily from my, my knowledge. I don't recall if he actively did anything to negatively impact native Americans. Like I'm sure there were things that were passed during his presidency, but he also just did nothing to help native Americans. Um, Mm -hmm. With that being said, do I think Abraham Lincoln should have his name removed from that middle school or junior high or whatever it was? No. Like, I th- I think that was just, I think, I thought that was way overworked. But my issue with the conservative stance on the removing of these statues and whatnot, and, you know, we saw, like, we see the removal of Robert E. Lee's statue in the middle of town or whatever, Charlotte. Uh, north carolina whatever it was i don't know there have been so many statues removed about confederate civil war soldiers and whatnot Is they say you know it's you can't erase history you can't take away history i'm like no one is gonna forget the civil war like no one's gonna forget <laughs> this i'm like but, but i'm like here's the thing is is they're they're forgetting the fact they're forgetting what the purpose of a statue at the center of town means what it's for it is a symbol to glorify, it's right? it's to glorify it's to symbolize it's to represent this person who was this important figure and i'm like i'm sorry but i don't want someone who fought to enslave people due to the color of their skin to be symbolized at the center of my town do i want to erase them from history no I absolutely do not want to erase anybody from history. So, yeah, let's take that to a museum where it can be used for educational purposes so it can help to remind society in a constructive way rather than confuse people and be like, oh, this statue, you know, we're going to symbolize and memorialize this man because he was a great general I mean, yeah, he was an incredible general, but he also fought to enslave people. Like, we don't need to memorialize that in that way. I mean, and I agree with
0: that. I do wonder if there is that slippery slope, though, of, you know, okay, so do we then, you know, if there's an American hero or something, you know, that had some awful things about them, you know, I really don't like Andrew Jackson, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, he seemed like an awful person, um, but you know, but he definitely was important to American history. You know, does that mean that we should take down an Andrew Jackson statue? You know, like, how far does that go? Is, you know, is taking Abraham Lincoln off that school, you know, why is that too far or whatever? Like, where Mm -hmm. is the actual line? Like, I get the Confederate thing is easy because, and I don't mean, like, I think you explained that really well, so I don't mean, like, the way you answered it was easy. I think it was a great explanation. But I feel like, like, morally, like, I get that easier, what you're saying, yeah, because they... Uh, you know I mean the confederacy loss like move on it's 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 a weird thing to have to have so much allegiance to um, something that tried to split America up right mm-hmm. um, but where does that line you know with, with other with other things that right now the majority of people think that person was great but in 10 years they mm-hmm. might not have those people to defend them
1: it's tough it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's so tough and I don't have the answer and maybe, i need you to answer this I, I need
0: a, i need a definite answer I mean, We need to solve this for the whole world right now it's in this podcast It's too hard i can't do it
1: no it's just <laughs> it do we yeah. have to balance <laughs> this person did x amount of good to y amount of bad i just i don't right. i don't know what the answer is but then are we doing more damage and i think i think you've questioned this in the last episode of of by removing abraham lincoln from this are we doing more damage to society than leaving his name up there and i would i would say taking him down isn't necessarily doing damage but it's not helping because then all of a sudden you've got little kids that are like well why was abraham lincoln's name removed and it paints abraham lincoln in this horrible light which i i have this stance of you can recognize American heroes like Abraham Lincoln, but also recognize his faults. But I don't think that necessarily takes away from his stature as an American hero. Whereas you have other people who I'll just continue with like Robert E. Lee, where like, yeah, he was a great general, but that, that doesn't redeem him from the horrible things he did. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I just I feel like you you have to go at it from an intellectual standpoint of yes, this person was this incredible president, this incredible activist, this incredible whatever, but they also had some problematic instances. They had some questionable things that they did or happened around them or whatever it may be, and that's okay to recognize that. It's okay to say that, and I I feel like. What we what we're seeing more with this idea of cancel culture and going after historical figures is we're not taking that into consideration. It's just only focusing on the bad, and that's the only thing that matters.
0: I think the other thing too is we had a unreasonable idealization, idolization of people in throughout in in history in our history books you know because we didn't maybe have access to all the information or the different perspectives Mm -hmm. from people um until recently you know there didn't used to be a wikipedia or something like that where you could just instantly know a lot of knowledge for free um so i think it's sort of like almost an overcorrection because yeah, we went so I think long a good word. just accepting that, say, you know, whatever, Abraham Lincoln was perfect, right? Be like him, be like Abe, you know, <laughs> like where, and then other people are like, wait a minute, he did this and this and this. It doesn't take away from the good things he did, but I think it's good to be realistic. So, you know, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm okay with, with complicated people who have some things that were wrong in their past staying up on a statue or whatever um as long as it gets the conversation going as long as there's this understanding that that person was not perfect was you know was was fallible made mistakes maybe wasn't as good of a person as we would have liked them to be um they weren't perfect and not to have that that not to have the expectation that anyone throughout history that you idolize is perfect and that there's going to be complicated things to all of history. So I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some way to sort of like, like look up to without idolizing, mm-hmm. um, in a more realistic way now that we get more and more information about people.
1: What I, I, I want to touch on your use of the word. Um, I think you said overcorrection. Um, I was listening today to an episode of uh, history this week, which is a, a wonderful history podcast. Have you heard of it?
0: No, it was a great title though it's
1: it's very good. <laughs> it's it's by the history channel um okay. and it's just every they release an episode every week and in each episode, they highlight a moment in history from that week in history um so it's it's a really fun concept, really great. but um uh they're uh, doing Black History Month this month. Um, mm-hmm. And so, in the, I was just listening to an episode about uh, Claudette Colvin, who, if you don't know who she is, I think we talked about her in a previous episode. She was the 15 um, year old who um, wouldn't leave the bus nine months before Rosa Parks didn't leave the bus. Um, and in it, she they uh, were talking to this historian and she, she talked about how the, that we need to be careful with this idea of revisionist history, because it's, it's, there's this narrative that's been out there for a long time that Rosa Parks and Claudette Colvin didn't get along, that they just didn't like each other. But in reality, um, Rosa Parks was a role model and took Claudette Colvin in and mentored her and cared for her and was there for her. And so I think what we're seeing now is, is you look, and this is where we we talk about critical race theory, where we've seen history through this white lens. We, we have for a long time now, and so we're trying to correct that, and I think there are moments where this revisionist history comes in, and all of a sudden it kind of steps a little too far backwards. It's like, oh, wait, let's, let's slow down. Let's not overcorrect. Let's recognize what's wrong, but not... Change, what's still there.
0: Right. It's. I think what you're saying is that there's almost some good to be had in not overcorrecting history because then you never know what to believe if you do it too much.
1: Yeah, because all of a sudden it's like we've been hearing Abraham Lincoln is the savior. He's the incredible He did everything perfect. And then it's like, whoa, we're taking his name off a of building. It's like, well. That's just to me that's overstepping. And like I said, we can recognize everything he did as this incredible president, but also recognize he did nothing to help Native Americans in this country. and it's okay to recognize the two and still appreciate him as a president as a person as a historical figure. That's okay
0: well, and I find myself constantly you know defending people in the past in in history that, you know, lived in different times, I, and I know you hear that excuse a lot, but I think it's actually a pretty good one, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, if you lived in those times, you would have been a different person, uh, yeah. you know, you, it would have been more acceptable to do some of the things that we look at now, and we're like, wow, um, I'm not saying that, you know, that gives everyone who, say, owned slaves the right to have done that, or something, I'm it's off. They were awful people to be able to have done that, I mean, I don't know how to get around that, but, but they, uh, you know, but it, it, it was more understandable that they did it in that time, uh, you know. So I think there is some leeway that you do have to give people in history that had a completely different perspectives um, and understandings. You know, if you grow up in a world that something is allowed, you may you may not be in the, the group of people who just suddenly realize it's a terrible thing because you're a great person, mm-hmm. uh, you might just go along with it. And I'm sure there are things today that 50 years from now that we're doing right now, um, that, you know, we're look back on upon and say, Oh wow, how could we have done that? I mean, one thing that comes to mind right away, um, is, you know, a lot of the cheap goods that we're getting from third world countries, um, in America today, you know, they're, Made by people who have terrible lives and they're working in terrible conditions. And I think people care about it when they hear about it, but it doesn't stop them from buying that cheap crap, you know, that, you know, counterfeit Gucci bag or whatever. I mean, like, <laughs> like, uh, people, you know, they're bothered by it to a point, but they're, but, you know, in 50 years when hopefully, you know, things, the jobs like that are, 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 um, you know, something that robots do or something, um, we'll look back at, you know, how we made, Money profits off of third world people making making pretty much everything that we that we own, and we'll feel really terrible about it, and we should. But in the time period, you know, that's that's how the world worked, right? So to a point, you can do some things to a point to change that or to change the way that you act or whatever. But you're, it's hard to get away from it. So really quick before we get onto the people, I do kind of want to talk about this a little bit. So mm-hmm. so one of the cons- the criticisms um, that we get a lot from conservatives is that young people or liberals or whatever are are too soft, right? That, um, uh, you know, this might actually be a good um, segue into Dave Chappelle because one of his jokes was that he likes the old-fashioned gaze, the stonewall gaze is how <laughs> he puts it. Yeah, um, The ones that, you know, took um, you know, didn't take any anything from anyone and demanded their um demanded you know that they be seen and and like kind of like they didn't care at all. Um not like these like new new gays or whatever that are like too sensitive or whatever. Like so before we get into Dave Chappelle though, the question that I kind of want to talk about is like kind of when did it become the ultimate goal to not ever offend anyone and to the to the point of like filtering what you say to such a degree that it has to pass through all these different filters in your head to make sure that what you say is acceptable, socially acceptable. Like, like mm-hmm. when did, exactly did that happen? And, and has it gotten to a point of kind of being ridiculous?
1: I remember a time probably what three oh goodness. I mean, probably like five years ago, six years ago, maybe even, and I, I met you in like Great Falls, Montana for a tournament. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I had like just arrived and we met up for dinner and we were walking and you asked me, you're like, <laughs> you asked me why, like, why do we, if, if we're walking through a busy street in New York and I accidentally bump into somebody like, why do I have to say sorry for that? Mm-hmm. And I remember you asked me this, and I was like, because it's just polite to do. You say sorry, and you're like, but, like, is that – I remember you saying, you're like, but, like, is that, like, necessary? Like, it's is it, like, understood that we might bump into people? Like, am I so afraid of offending this person of bumping yeah, into like, them?
0: I, I think I think what it was was it was this idea of, like, like being so scared that you might – enter somebody's space in what's clearly an accident. Yeah. Like, like, like kind of like, like why? like, are you really sorry mm-hmm. that you accidentally bumped into someone?
1: Yeah. And, and said, why, are you just you saying say it? Um, yeah. but like, I don't, it's really tough because I feel like this idea of, of having to go through and think of like, I'm, I have this thought I'm thinking about sending this thought to these people. I have to send it through these filters to decide if that thought can be sent in the original form. I feel like that, like on a timeline sense, didn't really start, honestly, until the end of Obama's second administration. Okay. Like, I feel like there was – to, uh, 2012, like 2012 to 2014, around that like time, the world didn't
0: end, and we were like, "Oh crap! I guess we got to start being nice to people
1: again." <laughs> yeah, crap! We have to be considerate now. Uh, <laughs> before that, it was you know just anyone's ball game. Uh, <laughs> but but I don't like.
0: What do you think I, happened? Why did it? Why 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 do you think that was the turning point?
1: I think there was this shift. That the like, maybe the left they they saw they you know they had these eight years and they they did so much in these eight years, and maybe because of this fear of you know, we we saw how loud conservatives got, we saw how loud people like Trump got, and so I wonder if it was kind of this counterbalance to that of. Okay, like we have this whirlwind storm of far right conservatives coming at us, we're gonna counteract that with this, with cancel. Culture. You know, I
0: think I think Democrats and, or just say liberals in general, not necessarily yeah. just Democrats, um, have this idea of a utopia, and I think like that one that one thing we just read off the website. Like it was kind of making fun of that, but I like I think there's actually a good aspect of that. I think that's how you get progressives. You're trying to progress into the best possible world, right? You're trying to have the best government that works for the most people most of the time. Um, so I think there is this idea that in a utopia, nobody is ever offended, and and you know everyone just gets along all the time. I'm not sure if that's completely realistic though. No. Um you know, when you bump into someone, you say sorry because it's easier probably, and it's and you don't wanna you don't wanna say you don't wanna say something mean like, you know, you know, excuse you or something like that. You know, like like that would <laughs> that, that would be the wrong response to the extreme the other way. You know, but there isn't really like a way to just be like that just happened. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is mutual understanding How are of you? we bumped into each other.
0: Could you just say that just happened? How are you? <laughs> <Like that. laughs> I just like where well, you're still being nice, but you don't have to apologize for something that was clearly not beneficial to either of you. Like it was it was clearly an accident.
1: Like I just do you I don't feel this, but do you feel like a society where everyone agrees with everything at every level to the extent where no one gets offended or disagrees with anything at all ever like that doesn't like
0: i don't want that are you saying are you saying do i think that's actually an idea of utopia
1: yeah like to to me that doesn't sound like a utopia
0: Right, no, it it sounds it sounds a lot more like a Black Mirror episode, right?
1: And it sounds boring, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> like conversations. We're not saying would be... Black Mirror is boring. I was trying to.
0: <laughs> I, like what I, was, what I was trying to get to was dystopian, right? That actually sounds much more dystopian. It's
1: just that, like, I mean, literally, you think about the level of conversations you could have. It'd be like, hey, I saw this movie, and you'd be like, I saw it too, and I'd be like, I liked it for this reason. You'd be like, I liked it for that reason too. Okay. Whereas, literally, <laughs> before this, yeah, we were yeah. we were talking the most boring thing ever. like we were talking before we started recording about how much I love Lord of the Rings and how you thought it was the longest, most boring thing. You couldn't connect with any of the characters, and, and I'm that like, was just but I just a
0: version. We and then you started talking about the extended version, and my <laughs> like my brain exploded.
1: Yeah. So I'm just like, like, what's wrong, like? Aside from because we do see the side of cancel culture where it's like we are attacking this person who said something that is very wrong and very obvious, but then we see the other side of cancel culture where it's canceling people because you just don't agree with them, and so I, right. I just don't find that form acceptable at all. Mm-hmm. Like I don't find yeah. that to be a betterment to society.
0: So so years ago. Years ago, I, I uh, went to. So I, I became a vegetarian when I was, um, oh, I don't know, probably nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew a lot. I knew a lot of vegans uh, who are basically vegetarians, but even to the next level of like where they, you know, they won't drink anything that comes from an animal or anything like that. They won't eat, eat eggs, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Anything that's you know, they they completely avoid animal products. Um, and we went and so there was, it was my first Thanksgiving and I w and I wasn't hanging out with family that year. I was, I was only around my friends and, and, and a, a good portion of them, probably about a third of them were vegans and a few more vegetarians, different things like that. And we were preparing dishes for everyone. And I remember my friend who, who was a vegan, um, said, you know, I think we should make everything vegan because we don't, we don't want anything that, that, you know some people can't eat um and i thought that idea was really interesting not necessarily right but it was interesting i'd never thought of society in that way of like you know should we take the sensitivities of of some if especially if they're if they are in a minority of some kind in this case veganism Um, and should we apply that to everybody, you know, just because there's a vegan in your party, does that mean that nobody can eat meat? Um, or nobody, you know, or you should feel guilty if you're doing that or whatever. Um, and I remember thinking like, well, that kind of sucks. Like, I don't, I mean, (laughs) like as cool as I think these vegan people are, and some of their dishes are really great. Like I would like to have, you know, something with eggs in it or whatever. Like, doesn't that take away my my enjoyment of this holiday or whatever in order, you know, is, is, is that worth it? And I've never really come to a, an exact conclusion to that, to whether or not that's right or not. Um, except for the fact that other than that Thanksgiving, I've never had it all vegan. <laughs> 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 um, but, but I do like to include people who have different dietary needs or whatever. And so I will make sure that there is something for them, but I don't feel like it's necessary for everybody to default to their sensitivity Mm -hmm. level. And as a vegetarian, actually I'm a pescatarian now, so I kind of went back a couple steps. Um, that means I eat fish by the way and one doesn't know what a pescatarian is. Um, uh, and, and so, uh, and so as a pescatarian, um, if I'm if I'm meeting somebody for the first time and they're like, is it okay if I order a steak? I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, like go for it. Like I would never presume to push my um, sensibility onto you. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I don't make them feel guilty about eating a steak or whatever, even if if I personally wouldn't do it or whatever. Um, and I even try really hard if they ask me why I'm uh, I don't eat say beef or something. I really try not to hard really try hard not to ruin their meal right i'll, yeah. I'll be like you know I'll, I'll soften it up unless they really 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 want to know um so anyway so i guess my my long-winded point to this to, to this idea is that um i i feel like some of the complaints for conservatives is they feel like by buying into this idea of inclusivity it means that they don't get to have nice things mm-hmm. uh you know they, it means that they should feel guilty about eating a steak, or um, they should feel guilty about using the wrong pronouns. Um, and there's, and these are definitely big issues that you know you can't just all solve by one one conclusion or whatever. But I do think that there should be some allowance for people who are different than you to, to to accept you in on their own terms to the point that it makes them feel comfortable. But I do want to add one more thing onto that because we do know a lot of trans people and we have met uh, and we've had them on the show and we've heard their stories of, of how other people misgender them and treat them terribly. Um, And so it doesn't mean that they have the right to take that so far as to, um, as, as to wreck your experience as a person and, and to not, acknowledge you the way you want to be seen so i feel like there's some kind of a little bit of give and take there that you have to do Mm -hmm. but at the same time like we have to understand that that each other are dealing with this and seeing it in different ways and to try to include people much like that vegan um thanksgiving
1: like you're trying to say like okay like i mean to me like what you're trying to say is it comes down to a mutual respect of like
0: mutual understanding,
1: yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I think kind of a, a metaphor a, another time you and I were working together in Kalispell, and we uh, I think it was after a day of shooting, we went to a bar and we got a pizza. And you ordered a pizza that was one half olives and one half pepperoni, and not like you didn't ask, Oh, like I'm a vegetarian, let's get this whole thing olives and i'm like oh well you know i want meat so i'm gonna do this whole thing pepperoni it was just like we're gonna respect each other and i'm not gonna force you to do anything but like i'm gonna be like yeah let's get olives like that it's to me it's just an empathetic thing well it's kind
0: of like like you have to live your own life you have to you have to you know be going for your own thing so like so i'm not gonna apologize for getting olives but at the same time, like, I'm not going to make you feel bad for not wanting olives, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you want the pepperoni. Um, so well, I don't know. It's, 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 uh, sometimes I, I do think that there is a little bit of, I don't know how to say this. Um, it's okay to demand respect and to demand to be seen how you want to be seen, of course. Um, I think we should try to be understanding of other people's experiences, though, as well. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, And and I think this is probably a good time to get into it. But if you've listened to Dave Chappelle's special and listened to it all the way through, a kind of defining point of his special is don't punch down on people. And like, that's right, I mean, what we're trying to talk about, and that's about. what he
0: was accused of doing for the last 15, 20 years.
1: Mm-hmm. But that's what he like, and that's where we're saying is that's like, and he talks about it. Of that's what he felt was happening to his people, and so it's this, it's this back and forth right. thing that we see with liberals and conservatives. That it's just there's it's back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth.
0: It's weird to me that there's this competition to show that you're the most oppressed.
1: Yeah, it is odd. Um
0: I mean that is kind of his argument is that you know like oh you think you're oppressed, you know like you know you should see how, what my people went through. What I mean in like like that's that's a weird argument to make um in my opinion. Um if you don't know by the way this this special um it, it was it was Dave Chappelle's recent uh, special came out I believe in October of 2021 and it um, it was closer. deemed by many to be um, anti-trans, uh, somewhat anti-LGBT, um, and so meaning like queer people in general. Um, it was uh, deemed to be anti-woman uh, or at least anti-feminist. Um, and, I mean, indeed, a lot of it probably was. Um, you know, it's like I get that it was it had jokes that were purposely trying to be funny by being offensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And it almost seemed like, like the point of the special was just to do it because he could, because he was in the position um, as one of the most powerful comedians around right now as a black person um, to say, you know, to say these things because he felt like if he didn't say them, the right um, would be taken away um, in the future or that it was already um, getting to the point of, of being taken away.
1: Well, but there's there's something that I, I really appreciate about Dave Chappelle at that at least I get this sense and I I like I had never listened to the entirety or watched the entirety of this special until we did this series. And so I didn't know the entire context of it. I, all I see are the articles and whatnot on the clips of going after Dave Chappelle as transphobic. But, but one thing I I've always appreciated about Dave Chappelle is, is one, he's, he's a narrative genius and everything he does is satirical for a purpose. And I, I think if you listen to his special with that context and with that understanding, and it does make sense that he does say these things just to get people riled up, just to do, just create that noise. But then he backs it up with the narrative and the points that he tries to make within his special, and the points that he's always made throughout all of his content throughout his whole career. Everything's on purpose.
0: But, you know, the problem though is he if if after you realize that Dave Chappelle is in incredibly intelligent and very purposeful like what you said with with his words and you know everything he says is purposeful. After you realize that it becomes more confusing, not oh, less extremely. when you hear that special. You know, so this was this was something I really wanted to do a show about this back I and mean, probably in October. I mean it was like when I first heard this special I was like whoa there is something there's something happening here that is more complex than just the narrative of it being anti-trans or offensive to trans people. Um, Again, which it is, that is definitely an aspect of it. Um, It it is because people, if if people are offended, it's offensive, right? I mean, that's all really, Mm -hmm. really all the, the need for that is, but there is also something else going on here in, I feel like in, in Dave Chappelle's mind that, he is trying to come to grips with a changing world Um, and making jokes about it is sort of his defense mechanism is the way he learns, the way he kind of hits ideas off of people, see what sticks. It's not exactly what a lot of comedians do where they just kind of see what they can get away with. It's actually, it seems to be like he throws an idea out there and sees if it makes sense and if it does, he kind of challenges you to tell him why it doesn't,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, why that reasoning is not is not sound. Well, and you, um, and you make some points are offensive, but they're interesting.
1: You make the point of him of it being him dealing with this changing world and he kind of touches on it of dealing with this changing world in which he feels that his people aren't seeing that change. And so I think that's it, like you said, it's also a defense mechanism mechanism of that, of I'm not seeing it.
0: Right. And you know, one of the articles I read about this, um, that was um I'd say against Dave Chappelle, um made some great points that I, I had a hard time disagreeing with, mm-hmm. as, even though I'm kind of on the fence about this, this um this special See, I would love um, to do
1: like a like a, a recorded commentary like like watching and pausing and commenting on this special as it goes because i think it, it like it within the context specifically of the words he says i think it would be still so fascinating we,
0: can we do that i mean is is, is that a new like is that a, a can we get the rights or do we need rights to be able to do a commentary on a show like i have that? no
1: i know people do it with movies i really have no idea i don't know i maybe we can look into it i mean
0: with the whole thing just be like no, he didn't just say that. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, my God! Like, like five minutes.
1: And just try like, to oh, come up with ways to defend him.
0: Oh no. <laughs> well, because th- this is why it was so aggravating. Because most, because a lot of what he said was not a joke. Like he was literally just talking. Mm-hmm. So, mo- so my my usual defense of of comedians in that kind of like you should just take a joke. You should go in there knowing that it that they're not serious. I had to throw that out the window right away. Because mm-hmm. he was dead serious at moments. It was probably his least funny special that he's ever done. Yeah. But but it did seem to have some kind of an objective. And, and he said in the show um, that that he had one objective. He said at the beginning of it, he said uh, that he liked to address the LGBTQ. LGBTQ community and he kind of laughed at like being able to remember all those letters um and uh and then he and he said um that he went that he came here in peace tonight um and then he made a joke that that, that went and i hope to negotiate the release of da baby um <laughs> and so da baby if you know who who that is is a rapper uh who is a black rapper who Basically, at one of his shows, found out somebody was gay or something, and yelled something like that. He thought that was gross, and that he hoped that they got AIDS or something like that. I mean, it was a pretty offensive thing to say. I would say that was probably punching down. But to <laughs> but, me,
1: um, to me, I I took that as him, like, like I saw that joke of you know negotiate the release of Baby as him recognizing, like. The baby was in some trouble. Like that was not good. I right. guess, and that's right. how I saw that is him making that joke of like we're gonna talk about me, but like yeah, the baby's in some trouble.
0: Well, and he didn't defend what the baby said, which was interesting because that would have yeah. naturally made him the 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 villain in this. Instead, he said that. what he compared it to was he said that did you know that that same person actually shot someone in a Walmart in North Carolina and how crazy it was that 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 didn't get him canceled but offending gay people did immediately that's his point yeah (laughs) and it's funny I mean like like I'll give him that it's a funny observation I don't know if it's true exactly in the way that like I don't think it, I don't think one exactly had to do with the other. And there was a lot of different circumstances with both, but, but like, it was, it was a, it was a smart observation. And like, you know, what's funny about like all the news that I've read about this special before I watched it and after none of it talked about that. It all, it, it definitely, it just, it only talked about the, the offensiveness of some of the jokes that it hurt trans people Um, which are important topics, don't get me wrong, but it never really talked about the other aspect of it, of what he was trying to get to, whether he succeeded or failed in that, um, which was sort of a higher purpose, I think. I don't think he did it to be punching down. I don't think that he, I don't, I mean, he he said he, he wasn't, so I think he doesn't think he's doing it anyway. But I actually don't think he is punching down exactly, um... Because he's sort of hiding behind this shield of like, why is this okay, but this is not okay, and Mm -hmm. using it as an opportunity to kind of take jabs at, quote unquote, protected classes of people um, in an effort to sort of show the hypocrisy of it, right? I mean, so we can see it on that intellectual level. As being more interesting, even even as it's offensive, even as we kind of cringe at some of the things that he might be saying in it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think he, I, I think it's also his his way of kind of of asking the accountability of it. Of well, so you're canceling him for this, but he murdered somebody and no one did a thing. Like, right. so where where's the validity in this? I guess. don't know cancel culture of him whatever it is um but then like also he makes the point uh at uh, another um uh joke which is it was an observation on um race relations within the um lgbtq community of he said along the lines of and curtis maybe you took note of this of of queer people who are white are part of that community until they need to be just white. And then it right, leaves right. black queer people alone. And that, like I thought that was a, another really interesting observation that he made and it another thing where he, it wasn't a joke. It wasn't a punchline. It was just another social observation that he made kind of taking into accountability this whole thing.
0: You know, it could be this kind of usually conservative idea of, of it wasn't easy for me, therefore it shouldn't be easy for you. Um, you know, it almost kind of feels like that. Right. Because he says, he says, you know, black people, you know, were enslaved. They were oppressed for, for, you know, a hundred plus years, uh, you know, and, and kind of like his joke is that, that, you know, him as a black person is jealous that the gay movement is going so well, Mm -hmm. um, because of how, how relatively quickly, um, you know, queer people got their rights. not to say that, you know, that there are not a lot of rights that are still not um, given to gay people, I think particularly trans people. Um, but, you know, that, but that's his joke, right? It's, it's almost like a, like a, um, I, I, almost like he got whiplash at how fast, um, once that, that queer people are able to get certain rights, and was it just because of white privilege mm-hmm. that in other words like it wasn't just black people that were queer or that were trans or whatever that if that had been the case they still wouldn't have the rights but because it affected white people suddenly um it mattered but- and i think that's probably a fair a fair judgment of history that that was the case and like when i went to Um, the Smithsonian to the um, African-American museum, which I highly recommend by the way, no matter, I'm not black. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really interesting. And yeah, I it's, it's, it is presented so well. Um, Highly recommend going anyway. um, When I, when I went there, I remember seeing um, this display about Sojourner Truth. Yeah. um, Who was part of the women's suffrage movement Until it came to the point when it looked like women actually might um, start getting some of their rights. And at that point, they actually splintered off, um, basically saying that they didn't want the idea of um, anti-Black sentiment being um, conflated with the general woman's um, rights, a right to vote and things like that and her famous line so journal truth was that she said in a speech which she was not supposed to give and apparently she she gave anyway she said ain't i a woman kind of like you wouldn't be here if it were not for for my part of this as well and you know and, and why you know why do i not get the rights that other women do because i'm black um, and i remember seeing that in in that, in the Smithsonian um, museum and thinking, wow, you know, these people that in some ways are great Americans for, you know, for fighting for, for women's rights and all this, like they really threw under the bus Mm -hmm. um, when it came time to getting their rights. And I, and so like, it makes total sense that that a black person could have the perspective of like, you only care when it affects White people, or you know, privileged people, or whatever.
1: Well, I mean, even like Dave Chappelle, like he he gets to the point where he says how he's you know he he says if if you look at every special I've done, you look at everything I've said, all the jokes, everything I've done. He said his problem is never truly with trans people or queer people or anyone of that community. His issue, he says, has always been with white people. He said that. Right. <laughs> he said that. If you listen to everything, everything comes back to white people. Like that's that's his stance.
0: And, and I mean, and and that is that's funny. And it it is. I feel like like it's a safe joke because generally white people are considered to be the one that you cannot punch down. Right? That they're they've always been the majority, and it's it's a it's a you can, it's kind of like a safe. Place to go if you are if you are black or anything other than white, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great moment in that. There's a Chris Rock movie is a remake called Down to Earth where he he dies and becomes reincarnated, and when he comes back to earth, they put him in the body of a white guy. <laughs> um, and there is a really profound moment in it where he does the same stand up routine that he did as a black person in the body of a white person. And he's booed off the stage, like, as a racist. And mm. and uh, it's a really profound moment in the movie because he realizes, like, sort of, like, I don't know, the, that he did have the ability to make jokes that he couldn't have if he were not black. And there is sort of that, like, safety net um, that we've established in our society, probably based on the idea of, Good taste, or and not punching down and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, because of the hierarchical order that we've had in the past, uh, and or just the sheer majority of white people um, dominating everything. Um, that it's just, it's sort of just expected that you know white people take that that joke and and in good humor. Um, but at the same time, like I feel like if you w- are going to have true equality. Those jokes should be taken in good humor with the widest variety of, of people possible. And and I don't think it's necessarily punching down or being mean just to be mean if you make a joke about somebody who is in a again, quote unquote, protected class.
1: Can we can we talk about the the end of Dave Chappelle's oh, special? Yeah. Because oh, if
0: you want to if you want to cry watching a comedy special, I, I, I recommend you going to about 45 minutes into uh the, into this this Dave Chappelle yeah. special. the it's,
1: it's it's the final like 15 minutes or so. It's it's his last story that he shares. And I remember before we recorded part one of the series, Curtis and I were talking and he asked me like what I thought about it. And and like immediately we both had the same feeling of when we got to the end it was this profound moment within the special that we were both completely knocked back by and what i think both of us realized is that one i, I mean i guess i'm speaking for you but i never knew about this ending but no one talks about it because but it, and it's a shame because i feel like it's so important it's 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 just such a like profound moment at the end of this special, and I feel like akin to the title of it, the the closer, um, it it brings this closure to the special that I feel like we're looking for throughout the entire thing. And he gives us these moments through it that through where he talks about how well if we look at feminism oh. and what feminism is, feminism is. I am a feminist. And if you look at, you know, like what my issue is with the queer community, well, it's not really, it's with white people. And then we get to this and it's right. And yeah, go, sorry.
0: Oh, I was going to say like, and if, if up to this point, like you really want to hate him or hate his opinion, it makes it really tough. And that like, in a way it's kind of, it kind of takes all of the air out of your balloon if you're if you're about ready to you know to fly that. Like it's it's um, for somebody who is an activist who really wants to say fight for trans rights or whatever. It it, it feels like a slap in the face because you can't be as mad at him mm-hmm. in this because he seems to be somebody who is truly trying to figure out his way his opinion as he goes through life, and he cannot quite get there. Mm-hmm. You know, he he, uh, he's, he has misgendered people throughout the entire episode. Uh, he's been super offensive to trans people and to women and all that, basically with that whole idea of, like, if, if you can't laugh, it's your problem, not mine. And then he gets to this part here where he tells this story, and he correctly genders this person, and talks about how much of a friend she was to him um being a trans person and kind of like like educating him on the human experience.
1: And I I will say there are multiple and I, I honestly like aside from if he's making a joke or making a, an offensive statement if throughout the show if he's talking about someone who is transgender he uses their correct pronouns. Like he uses No, not always.
0: Well, it, it's so okay so some of it I, I think when he when he misuses their pronouns i think he's generally joking that, i yeah. think but, and, but it's really yeah,
1: tough to know tough. but in this i instance mean specifically he he does it very purposefully
0: but i mean but he does say but he does say in that one part where he said that uh tmz was going to cover a story um that he had fought with with a woman and his defense was, I didn't even know it was a woman or something like that. Like, like it gets a laugh. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that from his perspective, he was not about to um acknowledged that that was a woman and right. then he, he has a joke about like he looks to see if they have an adam's apple and all that which is super offensive
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: so i mean so like i, I like i don't want to like i know what you're saying and i don't he doesn't like he doesn't he kind of goes back and forth it's hard to it, it it's to so hard pinpoint. to judge it
1: throughout the whole show yeah. it's very hard
0: right but but at the very end the, for people who haven't seen it um or it's been a while and and you need a reminder so basically he gets to talking about gender construct. He defends J.K. Rowling and this idea of he said he calls himself a turf, and he calls himself, in kind of a joking way, that he's like he's like, well, you know, I guess I guess uh, that makes me a transphobic comedian, um, you know, just because that he refuses to acknowledge um, that you know that the gender that they that they want to be seen as. Um, it's so and- it's so tough because I
1: within the idea like you said earlier like we we compete to be the most what punched punch down you know yeah. and so like i like he says it is this like when he's you know calling himself a turf and he's doing that is this what his way of being like oh well i have not seen the change that your community has seen so therefore i'm gonna inflate myself as what you see me as
0: right well and he's also somebody that has always throughout his career demanded to be respected and you know not be put into different boxes or whatever he's given away millions of dollars um you know by walking away from a really successful show that he was on and yet and so even though he's demanded this respect he he doesn't always give that respect to everybody Mm -hmm. that that um that he's talking about like the... it's it's it is a really confusing thing
1: and he vanished um, i mean he talks about it earlier where he's like you know he was like i was real i did it like i stuck it to them and i left for 10 years and right. then came back and sh- shoved it in their faces
0: <laughs> right um and and uh and so near the end of the of the show uh he he says um that he has one final Story to tell. Um, and you're and you're kind of like, oh my god, here we go. Yeah. Like, here's gonna be like the one that is gonna put him over the top if if you don't already think that. Um, and he, and he says, um, I want your community to know that one of the coolest people I ever met, uh, was a transgender woman again, correctly genders this person right yep. from the beginning. Um, and uh. And then he says a very confusing line that I don't, maybe you can help me figure this out. Mm-hmm. He says, This is not a man. So he misgenders. This is not a man that I knew that became a woman, which by the definition would be trans, a trans woman, right? Um, he said, This woman was trans when I met her. And I don't know what the F that I, means. I think that's like, him.
1: I think that's him saying that. When he knew her, like when when he met her, she was a woman. This was not someone that he knew as a man and went through. But why does that matter?
0: Like, why does he make like like? Does it only is it only can he only accept? You know, uh, the gender of somebody
1: when maybe that's what what after maybe that's what he's getting at. I don't, I don't know. It's hard.
0: Okay, let's move on. Um, So. So, uh, so he makes sure to mention that, and then he says um, uh, that uh, she that uh, she was a comedian um, that that even though she was transgender or maybe because of she was transgender that she always laughed at everything he said um, and especially the jokes that were about trans people. Um, and that he really respected her for this—that um, she always had the biggest laughs and and just had a great sense of humor. So he invited her. He was going to do a, a a series of shows to promote one of his of his comedy specials. He invited her to do an opening act um, for him. And uh, she—he didn't know that she had only done like eight uh, stand-up routines or something like yeah. that. Like she was fairly new to it, so he had no idea. And that when she went on. And, um, and uh, ahead of him, that she bombed for 40 minutes. That yeah. she was, you know, that according to him wasn't funny, didn't get a lot of laughs, was really terrible. Uh, and he was like, oh crap, you know, like maybe I shouldn't have done that, that kind of thing. Um, and then he respected her though, because after she bombed this show, she, instead of leaving in shame, she went, she stayed for the show and laughed at every joke he had and, yeah. that, and especially the trans jokes or something like that. You know, that was about those types of things. Um, and, and, uh, and then she started talking to him while the show was on still going from the audience. Um, and finally somebody in the audience yelled, um, Hey, Hey Daphne, does the carpet match the drapes? Which could have been a really offensive joke mm-hmm. um, to a trans person, um, but she said without even thinking very hard, she she came back with a joke of her own. She said, "Sir, I don't have carpet; I have hardwood floors." And that, according to him, blew the roof off the place. Everyone laughed. Everyone was able to have a conversation, and and it was like one of his favorite nights or one of his best shows that yeah. he had. Um and he and he and he goes on to say um that that at one point he talked to her and the audience and and uh and 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 he said, um look, I don't understand what you're saying to me right
1: now. Well and, and she what ended up happening with the show is Is she was in the like in the very front row and he says, you know, she was drunk and was kinda like heckling him a little bit, just having fun, and the show transformed into them having a conversation, basically, and him asking her questions about her and about trans people and about the trans community and her answering very honestly and very candidly. And so it just And
0: very fun and very funny. Very funny. It just
1: turned into this this genuine conversation of Chappelle asking these questions and her answering them in front of right. and so everyone. Said, and
0: so, and so he said, I don't understand you. And she got serious for a moment and she says, I don't need you to understand me. I just need you to believe that I'm having a human experience. And Chappelle said, I believe you and the B word.
1: Um <laughs> I, and uh, I'm sorry, but it, it's funny. It's funny. It's
0: funny. It is. And that, you know, and that's why I think a lot of times humor is sort of protected from being canceled because. For some reason, humor feels like truth, even if it's not what it is being talked about is exactly true. There's something true about it. There's, it's the experience. It's there. It's the way that they were talking back and forth so openly and friendly, that made it feel human, right? And it made it feel like a true, genuine connection. Yeah,
1: like I said, it's it's this it's this mutual respect, this mutual understanding, this this empathy that goes such a long ways, and that's what Daphne was looking for was this empathy of Dave. I don't like. I, like me speaking as myself, like I will never understand what Daphne went through or what was going on with Daphne, but I can believe that Daphne is having this human experience just like she was asking Dave Chappelle to understand or not, sorry, asking Dave Chappelle to believe, not understand that she was having a human moment.
0: Yeah. And to just sort of believe her And, and Chappelle seemed like he did. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why, you know, he was able to believe her, but has such a problem believing someone that, that says that they're trans and, you know, believing that they're, that the gender that they say that they are. Um, One article, the Vox article that, that I've um, linked here in the notes, it talked about, it kind of, it criticized this moment. It was one of the only articles I read that actually mentioned this moment. Um and it said why was it why does it, why does he need to understand it in order for her rights to be valid. Um something or something along those lines. Well, but she's um, not asking and that that his problem was that you know, he needed a trans person to be able to joke about it in order to believe who they were was, was, you know, who they were. Yeah. Um, and, and so it criticized the idea of like, you know, kind of like why do you need to be okay with it? Why does it need to be like a trans person that has a sense of humor? You know, what if they don't have a sense of humor? What if they are, you know, in the, in the community of trans people that are going through a hard time and they just don't want to deal with it that day. One of the last things that he says in this special, basically the quote that, 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 um, Daphne wrote on Twitter, um, was that Dave, uh, Dave Chappelle, um, does not, um, does not punch, punch down, um, on LGBTQ people, um, that punching down on someone requires you to think less of them. And I know, I know him and he doesn't do that. He, uh, he doesn't punch up. He doesn't punch down. He punches lines and he is a master at his craft. Uh, and a few days, um, few days to a, a week or so later, um, Daphne killed herself.
1: And that, and that was after her, her own community. I mean, everybody for that matter punched down on her for defending him.
0: Right, and you know, and the first like when I first saw this special, I did think, okay, so from Dave Chappelle's perspective, it was the Twitter verse coming down on her that added to her possibly being suicidal, but he doesn't take any responsibility for, you know, for things that he has said against say trans people as, or, you know, or generally just how the world sees trans people as being a, um, a major factor to why so many trans people do, consider extreme circumstances of like suicide and and have depression and things like that too it was a little bit convenient from his perspective to to think that it was it wasn't him it was everyone else kind of thing Mm
1: -hmm. well because a big point he tries to make is and about his criticism of these communities and whatnot and his his criticism of uh, cancel culture is like how am I supposed to accept you and accept the things you say about me when you're so willing to punch down and attack this people within your own community as well and that that's a point he, he makes at the end is you attacked her too
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and yeah, granted I mean, is that that's is a good point is that ignoring the things he's said or he's done um but but yeah, I mean, his, his, like from my understanding his perspective is you're attacking your own community. Like what what's the v- validity of this if like you're punching down your own people?
0: Right. I mean, and I I suppose um I suppose I I've heard that supposedly uh Dave Chappelle has said in the past that he has stopped telling certain jokes about black people because he realized that some people might hear them unironically. Yeah. Not, you know, knowing that not, or taking them seriously and, and adding to the perception or negative perception of black people. So he's aware that his jokes do have consequences outside of his hum, you know, outside of the room that he's telling the jokes in. But, but yet, you know, when it comes to, to these other communities, he is willing to make those Mm -hmm. jokes. Well, that so was, it is a little bit of a double standard. It
1: was I can't. It was in one of his his Netflix specials, I believe, where he jokes about a reason he had to stop the Chappelle show was because white people were laughing or white people were starting to laugh a little too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, it's a, another great social observation, and it's it's a good <laughs> joke, and I get it. I understand it. Like. Like I, I get how as someone who's trying to do this social commentary of your own people of like how you're starting to see how it's negatively impacting your people and you look at the de- demographic of people who are laughing a little too hard at these jokes, you're like, all right, like let's chill out. And that's where well, even at the end of this special, he he kind of concludes with saying, I'm not gonna make any more jokes about the queer community until I understand he's like but in the meantime right. you know we need to he understand. seems like he
0: wants to understand right and, i and mean I, it's it is not just yeah. like you know this conservative dogma of like well it's always been this way and i'm not going to even try to understand your perspective like like even though he is making these huge statements of like i don't need to recognize your gender he still says i'm gonna try to understand and you know and and like and i feel empathy and all the like you know that he said he says i am not you know what you are calling me, like he. It's so confusing, and it's so like mm-hmm. like if you are an activist and you are just ready to like go out and pick it and 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 you know and and kind of like get your your you know pitchforks out. It is so aggravating to like have somebody like that because you don't know to be angry or not. Yeah, well, I mean, and and that's what's so interesting about it.
1: It's 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 such a great case study because it it's it's so confusing. But at the end, even he says. And I correct me if I'm wrong but even at the end he says I need you to believe that I'm also having a human experience.
0: Right. And and the, and the and the last thing he says is all I ask from your community, meaning the gay community or or excuse me, queer community, um is will you will you please stop punching down on my people.
1: Mhm.
0: I mean that's the way he ends it. Yeah. It's, it's not a joke it's it's not exactly profound it's a i mean it, it is it is like kind of like a like a sigh like a just tired of sort of debating it right
1: yeah it's a lot
0: <laughs> and no it is and you know it kind of comes back to this idea of sensitivities
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know if somebody is going to be offended by your humor should you not tell the joke And, and I don't think I mean punching down is kind of its own thing you don't have to be punching down for somebody to be offended by your humor but it but does that then translate to it is wrong to tell that joke because somebody might be hurt by it in the real world well, and I really don't know what the answer to that is. No, because
1: – and it's – no. To me, the answer is no. Like, I'm – like, it depends. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, obviously, if you come out with a joke that's just racist to be racist, yeah, don't do that. But there are so many comedians and so many artists that use their art, whether it be – you know, of humor no basically. matter medium you know they they use yeah. you know you look at comedians who use this stand-up who use comedy as a means to express their own selves and their their own issues and things that they're going through and so if i'm a you know if i mean i mean yeah like if i'm a comedian it's a relief if i'm a comedian And I'm talking about how we lost a baby and I'm trying to express that through comedy and express my feelings and what I went through. I'm not going to fear that there's going to be somebody in the audience that's going to be so offended that they would joke about that because I'm expressing myself and I'm not Mm going to worry about how you feel about that. Like you Mm -hmm. can take that as you will. But if mm. this is helping me express this and you can't understand that, that's on you, not me.
0: Right. And, and, and it, it there is a certain amount of societal relief that comes from comedy. Like I think comedy is actually even when maybe especially when it's offensive, it is good for us to talk and laugh at things that we normally would get angry about.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, a great example, race
0: race relations or whatever.
1: A big one is, and I mean, I I love Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks is, it's, you know, he's, he's an absolute genius. And, you know, we, there's been a lot of, a lot of people say, you know, blazing saddles couldn't be made today. And I, I agree. Like it probably couldn't. But that doesn't mean it should be canceled. You know, he was he was on an, an episode of Clear and Vivid with Alan Alda, and they were they were kind of talking about that, and they were talking about how, um, you know, he one of the writers that he wrote Blazing Saddles with was uh, Richard Pryor, mm-hmm. and um, Mel Brooks was asking Richard Pryor, you know, like, do we really have to have these characters say the n word so much? Like, why? Like, do Sorry. we? Is that should we really put that in? And Richard Pryor said. We have to because it's funny and it's important.
0: I think when you're making art, you you do have to care about, you know, who you're talking about. You have to care about trying not to punch down. Um, at the same time, you also have to speak your version of the truth and your version of the truth is, is, is sometimes going to offend other people and offending other people isn't necessarily your responsibility um, alone. I think that that if you are respectful of those of of those people while saying how you disagree with them or whatever, that that's all you can do. that you know, it's it, there's there's nothing that says that you have to agree with everything that somebody else says just because general society is going that way. Um, and uh, and I think that's what Dave Chappelle did. And that I think that's basically what Netflix said when they were defending, mm-hmm. you know, keeping the special up. Um, you know, people walked out of Netflix um, uh, in protest of this. Um, I think some of them were trans people. They actually did a, a staged a walkout and and even disrupted one of their like board meetings or something um, because they felt this shouldn't be released on Netflix and that it was just spewing hate. Um, and Netflix basically said, kind of, you'll have to deal with it because we have content on our on our. Um, site that, you know, is meant for lots of different types of people with lots of different types of opinions and we're not going to take that down. And even though I am a, you know, supporter of trans people and all that, and I did see why it could be offensive, I also understood this idea of Netflix defending um an alternate viewpoint. And if they took that down, you know, there'd be all kinds of different things they'd have to take down for mm. all kinds of different reasons. Um that you may disagree with, um, you know, in the future. So they had to be really hands off with that. Um, And so I generally agreed with that, with that idea. But, you know, if you think about it, we've been hearing a lot about this um, idea of whether or not a corporation like Netflix or like YouTube or Spotify, you know, should have a responsibility for taking down um, content that somebody says is offensive, um, or even uh, like with Joe Rogan, you know, who said who had a guest on that was giving some really terrible um, non scientific advice about the vaccine. You know, whether or not they should take those episodes down because they're dangerous to the general health of the public.
1: I, it's the the misinformation is where it gets really kind of sticky. Um, but
0: I just, I mean, Trump was taken down, right? Like on Twitter, because he was giving misinformation about elections but I and stuff think you like have that. to, and it was deemed to be dangerous, right?
1: But, but Trump giving out misinformation is significantly more dangerous than Joe Rogan giving out misinformation, right?
0: Because he's president.
1: Exactly. As yeah, so I, I think you have to look at the context of the power and the authority of the person giving it. But otherwise, I mean, like, I'm sure we've gotten facts wrong on this show before we try our best not to when we try our best to be fair and and honest and sincere. But yeah. I like mean, I we, don't
0: we've had a we had a comment on YouTube that said you got it wrong and wouldn't go into any <laughs> other. Uh, yeah. Any other explanation for, you know, or nor showed any kind of source different or anything like that. Uh, showing how we got it wrong so, Like, yeah so I mean, should youtube probably.
1: remove our show because one person said we got it wrong like i no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it could happen i mean yeah i mean that's the worry right is that it will get to the point where it'll all be like like community like a community vote will this person is this person worth canceling um or you know or, or worth keeping
1: i just don't think I just I think it's to a degree like but I'm so I'm such a a, a first amendment jucky, and like be and I I yeah. I I have more faith in people I guess that they'll be able to see through stuff and they'll be able to judge for themselves and like I I'm just I'm a believer in letting people decide it for themselves like I I'm, I'm sure there are going to be people who listen to us talking about Dave Chappelle who completely disagree and probably think that we're offensive so so be it like i tried my best to explain my point of view and explain my perspective but if that didn't come across it is what it is
0: right yeah and and you especially with opinions you can't please everybody um you know and a lot of these people we're going to go over some people really quickly that um You know, that have been canceled to various degrees, Um, some minor, other ones pretty, pretty, pretty banned, (laughs) Um, pretty canceled Um, and kind of like what they did um, and sort of just put that out there because I feel like a lot of times you have the headline that says this person is bad and you just believe that because somebody in authority is saying that. But, but I don't know if enough people really use their brains and their judgment and and uh, figure out exactly how bad was it, you know, exactly who was hurt by it. Um, how responsible are they for that misinformation um getting out or that or you know whatever they're accused of doing um, and uh, and judging for themselves. I think there should be a lot more of that. I don't like this group think of like, you know when you mention a name to somebody that you like them or whatever and they're like oh you didn't hear that they you know they did this and this and this and it's like well, yeah i heard some of that like how much do you really know about it <laughs> like and they usually don't know that much about it like they yeah. just heard that they heard that they should you know be concerned or whatever they heard that it was problematic
1: so um so let's who do you want talk to talk about, about first
0: let's talk about ellen okay. i think that's an interesting one yeah so Okay, so Ellen Degeneres was, you know, her claim to fame at first in the '90s was being on a sitcom called Ellen, um, that was based on her uh, humor, her stand-up comedy. Um, And during the show, she came out as being gay in real life, and she decided, excuse me, lesbian, I should say more correctly, uh, lesbian in real life, and um, and she said that she wanted it to be incorporated into the show. She really felt, felt like the character. Um, on the show should should come out. And it was Mm -hmm. really controversial at the time because uh, it was, you know, it was considered to be like a family sitcom. And a lot of people thought that being queer was anti-family, which it's not, but they were pushing that point. And, uh, and so, so she, she convinced them to do so and, and became a liberal hero for being one of the first openly gay people um, on TV. And, and, uh and for pushing that boundary further and for allowing future shows like uh, like Glee and like um um oh my god I'm blanking out um oh modern family um mm-hmm. like Glee and modern family um to uh, to be able to have those and be more open about it um after that sitcom she went to, um, she kind of went on hiatus for a while and then ended up coming back in a really big way as the host of a popular talk show that was on for, I believe it was something like 18 years. Yeah. Um, Very long time. And, uh, and everything was going pretty well until um, a few years ago, a report came out that said that, um, that, that she was being an inhumane boss uh, to her staff, that she was, that she, uh, had yelled at work, um, either directly at them or, or that, um, they had heard that she had yelled at somebody or something like that. Um, and, uh, that other senior producers, um, with or without Ellen's knowledge, um, had been under investigation, um, and let go for sexual harassment of younger production assistants. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, Ellen apologized saying that once she became aware of it that you know that she kind of like took these these steps to, to separate those people from the show, um, offered to do better, saying that that a lot of it she was unaware of. but people didn't really accept her apology. Um, and uh and it tarnished the show so badly that that Ellen has basically become a liberal joke at this point, um, where she uh, she's her show's getting taken off and I don't think she's really gonna, have too much of a comeback in the liberal world. Um, because just because pretty much she was a mean boss, I think that was the main complaint and that she kind of ignored, um, you know, signs in her show that maybe there was an un- unhealthy environment. Um, I felt like this was unfair, um, that, um, you know, I mean, a lot of us have had bad bosses or mean bosses or whatever. Mm-hmm. it's, 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 I want to say it's acceptable, but I don't think it's something that's bad enough for, um, you know, someone to have their, their livelihood ruined or their show taken off or to be, you know, uh, thought of in such a negative way overall. Do you Um, think
1: though, like her being like accepting this role in the public eye that she has for the past, you know, 20 some odd years, like, do you think it's, it's justified for her to be questioned a little bit harder because she is a public figure. I mean, I feel like when you're in the public eye, you're automatically like put up to more or
0: well, it's more sensational, right? Yeah. I mean, if you if you can get somebody in trouble who has generally been thought of in a good light, it's even a bigger story and it's it's more of a clickbait thing. So I mean, I think you're saying like like does that make her, you know, like above um Criticism, and I don't think that's true. Like, you know, anyone can be criticized or, or, well, I'm not saying it that I'm they've done not, something wrong. I'm
1: saying, I guess, kind of the opposite of because she this public figure, should she be criticized? Like, is it just, is the extra criticism justified? Like I just like I've had like you said, I've had bad bosses before, but like I don't want to like I'm going to complain and, you know, maybe I'll report them, whatever. But like I don't want to rip their lives apart.
0: I mean, I I guess, you know, when you complain about somebody who's famous, it has bigger repercussions for them. Um, You know, it's not they're not just going to lose a job. They might lose all future jobs because nobody will want to hire them in the future. Um, whereas, you know, if you're like the person from the, um, the last episode where we talked about that she had sent out a mean tweet and been fired um, from her um, job, uh, that, you know, the story went on and said that she did, after a couple of years, did get another job and she was moving on with her life. But if you are somebody in the public light, you really don't have the ability to do that because your image is your job security. So, so if people rip apart at that, um, you know, you're doing a lot of damage. You're taking a lot from that person and it might not be in direct balance with with what you're accused of doing., uh, you know, in this case, you know, a boss yelling at you or something like, well, that's not good and you might not want to work on that show if you, if you're in that business, at the same time, you know, it's it's something that I think most people expect to some degree, that it's just something that happens in the workplace. It's a high stress environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as uh, sexual harassment and all that, that shouldn't happen in any workplace. But she's not accused of sexual harassment. She was accused of not knowing enough about her workplace. But when you're a celebrity and you know you're the head of a show like that, like you're not literally running the day to day in a lot of cases. You yeah. you come in with your with your you know topic or whatever, and you just kind of go from there. You're not you're not hanging out on set every day and seeing seeing these things so I thought it was perfectly understandable that she um you know that that once she made was made aware of it that she tried to change it um and I think it was believable that she didn't know a lot of it was going on and well, yet she I, really got I get ripped, this sense in the though press.
1: from a lot of cases like this that they're the the idea of canceling them is so like sudden and quick and fierce that those who are doing it don't really even want to give people the opportunity to say, Oh, I'm going to get better. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, blah, blah. Or if they do, then they say, Oh, it's not sincere. It's not real. They don't really care. Right. And that's
0: what happened with Louis CK. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was at one time, one of the biggest comedians in the world. Um, you know, he had like four shows on at the same time. Uh, you know, he, uh, he had a movie that was actually premiering the day that the story broke um, in oh the my New York God. Times. Yeah, and they actually canceled the premiere of the movie he had self-financed, I believe it was for like $4 million, something like wow. that. Um, and uh, and because of the scandal, and and he never released the movie. Like he literally just, the movie went nowhere. Wow. Um, it, it never got out. Um, and so what Louis C.K. is accused of doing um, is, let me read it from the story. I just, um, I
1: have no... I'm like, get rid of him. He's gross. I I want no part of it. You don't.
0: You don't like Louis C.K.
1: Like I do. do I appreciate like movies I've seen him in. Show like Parks and Rec. Love it. Like I'm fine with it. Do yeah. I appreciate his old comedy and whatnot? He's a gross man. <laughs> I, I'm fine with it.
0: Okay. So this. So so uh, he. Uh, in, in his new comedy show, he referred to himself as the second most hated person in America um, because uh, when he uh, had the story come out about him, uh, it was part of the Me Too movement. Um, but in my opinion, it was not exactly comparable to this, the likes of like Harvey Weinstein, who was an extortionist and, and, mm-hmm. and a rapist, um, and or Kevin Spacey, which um, is uh, alleged to have Had some sexual relations with underage an underage boy. Um, Like Kevin Spacey what Louis C.K. was supposed to have done. um, uh, Kevin Spacey and
1: Harvey Weinstein are much more powerful men than Louis C.K.
0: I mean, but you know, that's true. But Louis C.K. was pretty powerful when he was taken down. Um, Not as much as Weinstein. I'll give you that. But um, but I mean, he could get something made by his name alone. He was at least that powerful. Fair enough. Um, and and so what he was accused of doing November 9th, 2017, the time published a story in which five separate women came forward to accuse CK of proposing to, or actually masturbating in front of them in professional settings. Um, and, uh, and so this was at different comedy, uh, festivals and things like that. Um, let's see, uh, I'm trying to, Sum this up without necessarily going through the whole story. Um, after uh, so, uh, the, I'll skip to the fifth woman. Fifth woman uh, who had chosen to stay anonymous said that CK repeatedly would masturbate masturbate in front of her uh, in the offices um, of the Chris Rock show where they both worked. After one of the incidents, CK allegedly attempted to apologize and explain his behavior in a Facebook message. Uh, he wrote uh, last time I talked to you, it ended in a sordid fas- fashion. That was a bad time in my life, and I'm sorry. So, like you know, he seems to be somebody that does have actually some sexual, um, so some sexual problems. I mean, some yeah. he has some issues that that uh, you know he's admitted to having to deal with. Um, you know, in in most of the cases, I believe it was him basically asking if he could like masturbate in front of them, and the idea was that. Because he was so powerful, even though they said yes, he shouldn't have asked to begin with. Which is true, and it does make him kind of a gross person to have even asked that.
1: And like you know, regardless of if like he he was doing it because he knew he could, he knew he had the leverage to do it.
0: I mean, you know, and I I guess I kind of buy that. I'm I'm a little little bit more skeptical about that because. My problem isn't so much that he was canceled or that, you know, his, uh, you know, let's say like if he had masturbated in front of somebody at a, at a show or something like that, he should have absolutely been fired, removed from that show. No question. Like no one should have that kind of power over anybody. My problem with this one is a little bit more toward the extent of the punishment of banishment like he lost a movie he lost four series you know he can't do netflix specials anymore um you know he's labeled as like a forever creep even though i feel like he basically just has some kind of sexual issue that could be dealt with and and i I think that he could get help if he Mm -hmm. if if uh if he really wanted to do that, but it seemed like when people were canceling him, they weren't really necessarily interested in them getting him the help that he needs. They just really wanted him gone and shown as like an example of why you shouldn't yeah. have to deal with something like that. Um,
1: well, and especially and- with it being in the the shadow of or kind of i mean during this crazy storm that is harvey weinstein who was a genuine awful awful predator yeah, terrible person <laughs> you know uh, um like Louis yeah, ck has redeeming awful. factors harvey weinstein does not
0: Well, and and even mentioning the two names together, like how synonymous they've become because of the timing of of how these stories were released, like just saying that drags the name down of Louis Mm C.K. And I hate to do that because I don't think what he did was anywhere on par with with what these others did. Um, And I remember reading a story, I didn't link it here, I remember reading a story from um some of the women that accused him of things, which he admitted to most of them, by the way, um, almost right away. Like there wasn't a lot of like him squirming trying to get out of it or whatever. Um, and he apologized for it right away. Um, but the story from the women that were that were speaking up was basically saying that they didn't that they didn't feel like he had done the work to to really show that he was sorry and that they weren't exactly sure what he could do to to kind of, like, apologize and and it would be where it would be okay for him to be back in the limelight. And to me, that that puts too severe of a punishment um, for that crime. You know, it's creepy. It's not illegal. It's creepy. It's not necessarily doesn't necessarily mean he's exactly a bad person or that his he can't have other insights that are worth, you know, watching or listening to. It just means that he has something he needs help for. And I, I mean, if there's no way for him to get out of it, if there's no way that he could apologize enough other than just giving up his whole career and disappearing forever, like that seems unreasonable to me. There mm-hmm. should be some way for someone like that to come back and say, I'm genuinely sorry. I'm not, you know, I, sh- I shouldn't have the ability to do this. You know, like, please take me to task if I ever offend you again but I'm going to continue making my shows. I'm going to continue doing my thing. And he has to a point of what he can do on his own with his comedy specials. But he, but because of how we banish people today for doing – for we banish them the same way, whether they're Harry Weinstein and awful people or Louis C.K. and just sort of, I don't know, sick or misguided or something, had some bad judgment over a long period of time. Um, we judge them the same way and and they they end up on the same island essentially. and i I don't think that's healthy for the people who are sick, and I don't think it's healthy for society to unwrite them out of shows and just never want to see them again and And if you say that, you went to go see a show of theirs or whatever, like people are, like gross, you know, like yeah. like, like I don't want to hear that. like, and so, the reason I brought him up, and the reason I think that he should be given a second chance, Um, And, you know, to prove that he has more to give than just controversy um, is, you know, I went to see his show um, in New Orleans um, after when he first came back um, on tour after this whole thing, after being out for about two years. And he still was hilarious and he still was so sharp witted and I still appreciated his writing so much. And I wanted him to be better. I wanted him to get better and to move forward somehow, but still be respectful to the people who, you know, he, he messed up. I mean, he, he supposedly really mentally screwed over some some uh, good comedians that were women um, and to somehow make amends for this because I wanted to like him again. He's a likable person. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like sort of the judgment that I got from friends saying, you know, that I went to go see a show that how dare I even, you know, break this, this like banishment that, that had been put on him.
1: <laughs> right. Well, it's tough. Cause like, do you pretend that he's no longer funny? You know, right. like what, like how, like, what are you supposed to do?
0: well and and you know just because somebody is there that that has done something you don't like doesn't mean that they disappear in the real world you know he starts like his like he has kind of turned it into a bit of humor in his stand-up you know literally like his stand-up show is literally called sorry and he <laughs> oh literally God. has the word sorry on the like projected on the back of the stage and he says things like uh you know how uh I guess you know how I've been. How has your last, you know, two and a half years been, you know, like, like he is doing his best to sort of come out of it with some humor. He's already apologized for it. What else can he do? And like, why is the punishment of banishment? The only thing that sort of satisfies, Mm. Um, there has to be something else. Um, Do you have any insights on this? Like, is there something, am I wrong? Like, is there something that, that, you know, that he could do? or you know or am i wrong that that he should just be he's gone he's he's canceled good riddance like is that it's is that a real
1: it's just hard because that? i'm sure there are people who wanted to see him just disappear like he does not get a second chance but i mean I, like i'm empathetic like you were i like i recognize that like he's probably a dude who needed help and he didn't get it. And he was in this position in the comedy world where he, like, it just kind of ran with it. And it, he ended up hurting a lot of people and got himself in a lot of trouble. And I'm a, like, like, I, what he did was very gross. And I guess I'm backtracking because, like, hearing you talk about it has kind of, Giving me a little perspective of like, yeah, this dude probably needed some, some like psychological help, but then how, like, yeah, how far does it go? And I've brought this up before is, is you get people who do, they do apologize and say, I'm going to change, I'm going to do whatever. And so I think it comes down to like, what are they doing actively to prove that? What are they doing actively to show like i am i am not that same mess that i was before i'm not doing that same like i am actively trying to be different
0: i mean what can you do except for saying that you've changed and that you're not doing that anymore And just, you like, know what i mean what you what, have to hope people believe you i guess excuse me
1: you just have to like hope people believe you
0: right i mean i guess that's what he's doing like his response was something like I was in a dark place at that time, like, you know, that he, that he didn't do that anymore and, and he apologized for it. And, you know, he said he would try to do better. Like, that's the line, right? I'll try to do better. And like, what else can you do but give them the chance to do better? I mean, I don't think banishment should be an option except for in the extreme cases of You know, people who are accused of something just so terrible.
1: I want to read this uh, quote by Johnny Depp about uh, his stance on cancel culture before we get into this, uh, the final point of the episode. Um, So Johnny Depp went on record uh, saying that he uh, is a victim of cancel culture and that no one is safe from the movement, calling people to stand up for being uh, uh, for people facing injustice um, he says, it can be seen as an event in history that lasted for however long it lasted, this cancel culture, this instant rush to judgment based on what essentially amounts to polluted air. Um, uh, and then uh, I think he uh, commented ahead of receiving the honorary Donostia Award at this year's San Sebastian Film Festival. Um, it's so far out of hand now that I can promise you that no one is safe, not one of you. Uh, no one out that door. No one is safe. It takes one sentence and there's no more ground. The carpet has been pulled. It's not just me that this has happened to. It's happened to a lot of people. This type of thing has happened to women, men. Sadly, at a certain point, they begin to think that it's normal or that it's them when it's not. And so with, with that said, I do I, prompt here. How to be woke responsibly? How do we do that? How do we continue this idea of cancel culture in a responsible manner?
0: I, I think part of it is not to jump to conclusions. Um, you know, this idea of making a split judgment and deciding someone is terrible, you know, within 24 hours or something or when the first story lands. Um is irresponsible to do as as a member of the public and a contributing member of um, of the press or or just of somebody who relates news to other people um, in your family or whatever. Um, there is a lot of situations where it's a you know this person said this this person said that they see things differently um, or you know one person says the other one's lying or whatever um, and and. I don't instantly believe somebody who says that something happened just because it makes them, um, you know, brave to come out. I I consider it. I think it's important to, to listen to women, listen to victims, consider what they're saying. But if they don't have the proof to back it up and a court couldn't convict them, why should we convict them in the public square of mm-hmm. of judgment you know I, I i i don't i don't see how how we can judge people without the proof how can you do that how can you believe somebody without proof
1: it goes back anything? to the whole idea of public shaming and public hysteria you know where we where we have a society right now where information can be like is just thrown about everywhere so fast and such easy to consume snippets that people get caught up in. And I think we, you know, we pointed that out with Dave Chappelle where, you know, we see this, these headlines of Dave Chappelle was transphobic and it's specific things picked and chosen from his special, the closer. Whereas when you actually listen to it or watch the whole thing, it turns out to be this much more complex thing that you don't really even realize.
0: Right. In the case of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, you know, there's, I've known a lot of people who are in bad relationships and they're very abusive to each other. Um, You know, it, it doesn't necessarily make you a bad person to be, to be an abusive relationship. Even if you are the person that has the problem with being angry or abusive, it could just be that you need to get out of that situation and you need to get help and, be healthier in your life. I guess what I'm trying to say is a bad person, I don't think is always a bad person. I think sometimes they're in a bad situation and they need help. Mm -hmm. And so those people I don't think should necessarily be canceled just because they had a bad moment or in a bad relationship, especially if the majority of people who know them and the, and the experiences they've had in their, in their careers and lives conflict with that, with that image. You know, I think we, we have a, um, we can believe that there's also a good side to them as well and figure out to what level they can reenter society in a responsible way that doesn't, um, you know, that doesn't push down the victim um, that listens to the victim, con- you know, gives them consequences for something that they did do, but not overdo it. And like, there's this quote here, it might be a good place to sort of wrap up the show Mm -hmm. where this um, from this article it says, conversations happen faster now, whether on cable news or social media, but the one truism is to remember that people can't be wrong about the way that they make you feel. That doesn't mean we always have to change the way we say or do things, but when people signal they have been hurt, the brave thing is to try and engage with that. So that's the idea of engaging, believing the victim, listening to the victim, hearing them, acknowledging them, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change that, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then the the quote goes on to be to, to say that the response, she says, should not always be punitive. We all have a line we don't want people to cross, but you can suddenly find that you are on the other side of someone else's line. If we're interested in finding a definitive answer for any of these cultural cases, we're bound to be disappointed basically basically saying it's complicated, right? I mean what you know the situation with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, it's complicated. Well, they know what went on. They know who crossed whose line. I don't I don't think that necessarily it's right for just Johnny Depp to be um ostracized from the community um because he's a man or because, you know, because he was in a bad situation. I think that he could have just made a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's totally innocent. Maybe he didn't do it at all, yeah. you know, and if the proof is not there, I don't see how we can cancel somebody. I don't, I don't get it. I don't think it's healthy for society or for him. It just, it just makes more enemies, makes more bad air.
1: As a, uh, uh, professor Dennis Swibel, throwing it back to, uh, our, uh, first episodes of the show, um, and journalism ethics, he always said for everything, it depends and that's the, <laughs> that's the answer for everything is it depends.
0: Never say never. I mean, is is kind of one of my favorite phrases, uh, that kind of goes with that, like, uh, um, you know, it's not to say that nobody ever should be canceled or nobody ever should be fired or whatever, but I, I don't think it should be a sport. I don't think it should be something that happens every day. Um, it should be something that, you know, we just regularly do. It's it, it I think it has to be some very rare cases that, that sort of thing is allowed because otherwise mm-hmm. it just ends up being very disproportionate to uh, the the crime not fitting the punishment.
1: Let's get the Harvey Weinstein's out of the world. Okay, that was uh, yeah, that was I a lot was of heavy conversation. <laughs> One of the what? That was a lot of heavy conversation. Yeah. So, um, what,
0: what I like about it too is, you know, it's something you don't really hear too much uh, mm-hmm. being discussed. You know, you only hear the one side of it. I think it's important to, that you hear both.
1: So, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, uh, so yeah, that'll do it, I guess, for our series on, uh, cancel culture, uh problem with being problematic. Uh, hopefully, uh, I, we might have, uh, Kara back next episode. I don't know if that's going to be, uh, happening or not but we may be trying to get someone to come fill in so you don't have to just listen to our two voices the entire time for the next couple months uh we'll see what What's happens with but with that we're coming up into uh, uh april 2022 and our next episode we're going to be diving into the history of the legalization of marijuana. Um, so get excited about that. Cause we're going to be talking about drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, if you haven't uh, seen, we're on, uh, the YouTubes now, uh, Curtis, how do, how do people find our YouTube channel? I guess.
0: Um, they can just search for social discord or pod podcast without borders. Um, you know, if you search for a certain topic, um, with the words, um, social discord, a lot of times it'll come up and it'll actually even forward you directly to where we're talking about it. So you don't have to listen to us talking for three hours just to hear your five-minute um, segment on on Johnny Depp or whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, go check it out. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, it's something we're trying out. And so far we're getting some uh, listener engagement. So that's really cool. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm going to sign off. So we'll talk to you all next time when we uh, cover marijuana. Bye, everyone. Bye. I- Thank you for listening to Social Discord, part of the Podcast Without Borders Network. You can get a hold of us by sending us an email at pwbnetwork at gmail.com. You can also check out our website at podcastwithoutborders.com. Thanks for listening.